Time is running out to submit your list for the first ever all-time podcast listeners poll. As previously mentioned, we're collecting data of what our listeners' favorite things of the decade were. So uh, get on that as soon as possible. Send us your 10 favorite albums of the decade, 10 favorite songs of the decade, most overrated album of the decade, most underrated album of the decade, and the best artists of the decade so we could get on that and create the first listeners poll for you guys. Thanks again for participating, and thanks for your support. Welcome to the All-Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. That's right. Fuck, we're already in Episode 8. Hope everyone's doing good. Steve, how are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah? Feeling good? Feeling good. A couple of more episodes left. We got those lists coming in. Uh, Thanks for all the support from everyone. Uh, Let's kick it off right away. 2017, another big year. Another big year for hip-hop. Massive year for hip-hop. I'd say probably at this point, the peak in the decade for... No, there was really good things before this, but... Hip-hop's taking over radio. Hip-hop's taking over, I would I would say, everything. Because right now, with the sound that's happening, yeah, it's, it's easier to like hip-hop. And uh, not only the sound that's happening, but the first great album of this year is an album that really took the world by storm almost it took me by storm i could agree yeah it took you by storm because when this album came out we i wasn't on it right away i would i would say i would say i gave it like about a month a month and a half maybe two months before i really dug deep into it because yes i like the sound but i was just like it this type of sound is getting repetitive yeah it's what the kids want to hear it's the shut off your brain type music it's the I, it just sounds like everything else that's coming out. So it came out, and we're definitely talking about the first great album of the year, Migos, Culture. I think after this, I would say, before we get into talking about the album, nothing would come close to what they did. I in think terms I'll, of in terms of sound in terms of ad-lib, in terms of fun in an album with this style of music, with the mumble rap trap sound. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people try to redo this sound. But yeah. it also gave birth to so much artists, so many artists. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we can name so many of them, but... Well, Lil Uzi kind of came out of this. I know he had been doing things before, but yeah. being on Bad and Bougie, his career was a bit more... Uh, 
mainstream after this? Well, the way I look at it is that this album was backed by DJ Khaled because he's screaming on the first track. Yeah. But this album had so much hype around it that it actually lived up to it. But we got to also mention, like we said at the end of last week's episode, Donald Glover did more for Amigos than he did for Childish Gambino. 110%. Was having them on Atlanta and shouting them out at the award show, I believe it was at the after the Emmys, yeah. when he cleaned house with Atlanta. Yeah, he said, I wish I was making music like Migos. Something like that. And, yeah, something and, like yeah. that. And, and something about Bad and Bougie, I forget the exact thing, but that put them on, like so many people that were into Glover, because Glover is mainstream. Yeah. Whether it's you like him for his movies and his show or for his music, he's mainstream. So, so many people that probably had no idea what this was get put onto this. And you're at the Emmys. Right. So, you got people that don't listen to hip-hop, don't listen to this style of music at all, that probably were like, okay, this guy said something, let me go see what it is. And it got put onto the masses. He said... um, it was his Golden Globe acceptance speech okay. for Atlanta where he said, uh, I really want to thank the Migos, not for being in the show, but for making Bad and Bougie. That's the best song ever. Probably not the best song ever, but I get what he was trying to say. Called them the Beatles of this generation. And then it took off from there. Because they said that they're the Beatles of this generation. If not, they're better than the Beatles of, this, of <laughs> the world. Mm. Uh, but to get into this album, yes, it had hype. It lived up to it. But it brought me into it understanding what these guys are trying to do. Yeah, it's it's fun, it's mindless, and it's... Uh, it doesn't have to be lyrical. It's really like the equivalent to, of, of watching a Marvel movie. Okay. It's like mindless fun. Yeah, I, I, I understand where you're going with that point. But it doesn't need to be lyrical. And you don't have to like lyrical music... To be like, these guys are amazing. Or these guys suck. You just right. got to go in with yeah. an open mind and be like, these guys are making fun music. Yeah. The ad-libs are amazing. I think there's an ad-lib every bar, mm-hmm. every verse. And it's catchy as fuck. Yeah. Like, this shit was catchy. Yeah. The, the instrumentals were amazing. Very well done, yeah. Very well done. I don't know who was production producing on this, but I'm sure there was Mike Will made it. There was probably it was probably the usual guys. The usual guys, but it had more of a bounce to it. It had more structure because when you go in into artists like Migos, Future, uh, who else is that makes music? Lil Uzi Vert, uh, Twenty One Savage, Travis Scott. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna take Travis Scott out of there. All these guys, it's. It's not hard music to make. And most of it has absolutely no structure to it. Metro Boomin, Zaytoven are the biggest names that are on this. Who worked not out? Even, uh, not even Mike Will. Or really? So a lot of these guys worked with Gucci Mane. Uh, but it's like, it's not hard to make an album like that. I'm sorry, I'm going to be straight honest with you. A lot of these guys, there's no structure to their albums. But these guys came out with a fully structured album that they took time in doing and sounded fantastic yeah it had good hooks it had good the um, hooks were incredible it was catchy as hell mm. uh, 
we had fun with this. This was like yeah, it was fun. Before this, it was pretty much Versace and Drake, yeah, putting them onto people. But this album really, I think, gave them a place in mainstream. And looking at it and going back to this album, which I did a couple of times before this episode, I love lyrical hip hop. You know, I love it. I love that grimy hip hop, that street hip hop. These guys could rap. Yeah, they could. They could all rap, and they all sound different. It's easy to be three guys all sounding the same, not knowing who's who, but these guys all sound different. Offset sounds different than Takeoff. Takeoff sounds different than Quavo, and Quavo has more of that. He's the hook guy. Let's say, yeah. I would say he's the least. For me, he's the least favorite of the group. He's the most accessible. Yeah. Least favorite for me. Offset is the more punchlines, his flow... It's yeah. funner. Take off as well. He has that deep voice. But like these guys made something classic and needs to be in top 100s. I don't know about lists. I haven't seen it. It's a- missing a lot. Of, it's missing on a lot of lists. And I think the end of the 2010s were marked by this type of thing. By this Migo sound. By yeah. this culture sound. And nobody's paying tribute to it now that the decade's wrapping up. Nobody's giving it its place. Which is unfair to them. In a way, it is because sure, there are, now it might be a little overdone, and it's it's not necessarily like we don't need more of it. No, but like when they came out with Culture Two, I think it was the year after twenty eighteen. Two discs, two discs of it did not really work for them. So, I mean, we don't need more of it, but we can't pretend that for a little while this wasn't on everyone's radar. It was. It was crazy, and if you look at... Everyone was listening to this. Oh. People that listen to underground hip-hop and people that listen to not this style of music were listening to this. Like, people were listening to it saying, I don't get it, and keep listening to it and saying, like, we, like I remember having discussions with friends and stuff saying, like, like I'm, I'm, I, I want to I get it and I don't, and I'm going back to it. I don't remember the last time that happened with a group that... Whether you like the type of music or not, you were trying to understand what people liked about. Yeah. It made a dent in hip-hop. In music. 110%. In mainstream music, in hip-hop, yeah. Uh, it, 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 got, it, it came into the club scene too, because the club scene kind of died with hip-hop. And I think this it came brought it back. back in a way, yeah. It. And at this time, I was talking to a lot of people, like you said, people were, weren't getting it. But a lot of people would come up to me and be like, Steven, you don't listen to this type of stuff. And I, I would tell them straight off the bat, it's not that I don't listen to the type of stuff. These guys made a good album out of music that sounds the same but drags on as well and doesn't need to have everybody doing the same thing. You get what I'm trying to say? So a lot of people would come up to me and be like, fuck, mumble rap, mumble rap suck, trap music sucks. Be like, but go listen to culture. These guys, it took it to a next level. And... They ran 2017. And all of them except Takeoff all did side projects after this. Takeoff did the solo album though. That was actually quite good. Yeah, that that was in 2018. Yeah. But these guys, if you look at it, Quavo did Huncho Jack, Jack Huncho with Travis Scott the same year, which people were hyping forever and there was a lot of hype behind it and people couldn't wait for it to come out. It was a good album, mm-hmm. not as good as this. And 
21 Savage, Offset, and Metro Boomin came out with, what's that album called? Um, the one you told me, the to Without Warning. Mm-hmm. So these guys were running hip-hop the whole year. Well, in February of 2017, Calvin Harris dropped a song called Slide. Yes. With Frank Ocean and Migos. That's the best song they've ever been on, period. That's the best song they've ever did or ever been on, period. Yeah, very fun. So just to say, later on in the decade, after the sound was already there and already dragging on and getting very annoying and stale, they revived it. Now, everything after culture is in that place of being stale and being annoying and being repetitive. It's almost as if in in bringing it to the mainstream, they killed it all together. Yeah. Like it was, it, it brought it to the mainstream. Now everyone likes it and now everyone's done. With they it. set the bar. The yeah. bar is set. Culture is all those albums at the highest and there's nobody that could probably beat that bar. I don't think, and in the last two, three years, nobody has beat I that agree. bar. You, yeah, you said it. Yeah, you said it perfectly. That's what it is. Like they developed that that flow. And after how they've taken it to the next level, it's just watered down music now. Yeah. Like after Migos came out with Culture and we're going to end it off there, I'm going to say this and think about it to all the people that listen to whatever quote-unquote mumble rap, quote-unquote trap music. That flow is their flow. They perfected it. Nothing's going to come close to culture. Look at Jay-Z. He started doing a bit of that that flow because it was done so well that people wanted to borrow it. Whether you're coming from Main Street that never did that sound. Look at Kanye West. He started developing that flow as well. Yep. Yep. Everybody's using it because of Migos. Not because of future so much, you think? No, and since Migos culture, I have forgotten all about the futures. It sucks. I've forgotten all about the young thugs. I've forgotten all about so many artists that I liked earlier in the decade because of what they did. This is the high standard for me now That's fair. when I listen to this stuff. That's I, fair. I even I even at some point get bored or get feel repetitive listening to repetitive music even when I'm listening to Gucci Mane sometimes and he's the one who well, discovered there's them. so much Gucci Mane right yeah but at the same time it's like culture it's culture and bright headlights we need to we need to perfect it all these mumble guys though like if you want to put like well I'm not too uh, people could get very picky picky in what they call mumble rap but let's say you take like the Young Thugs, The Future, Migos. They all pretty much put up... Yeah, 21 Savage, you could say. They all pretty much put out a solid body of work. Maybe Young Thug is the exception that has... A few. Yeah. If you look at it that way, it's... it's, It really, like... Every one of these artists gets summed up with one great album. Yeah. Rarely do they do better things yeah and now I think it's time to say what's next what can people that are doing this sound do next because in 2021 
2023 it's going to be it you can't mm. you need to do something else and we're getting these artists that people th- say are amazing people say are what's next but to be honest it's dying down big time let's move on yeah so uh 2017 we spoke in 2016 a lot about death at the beginning a lot a lot of great artists died and to me 2017 uh a huge artist that really impacted me growing up in high school uh When I started listening to hip hop, I started listening to the Wu Tangs, the NWAs, and the Mob Deeps. Mm. And Mob Deep to me, growing up, was something that I would always go back to because of how greatly lyrical, greatly produced, greatly they had their their full bodies of work were something that you would always want to hear in music. And to this day, like I do with Griselda. I compare. Mm-hmm. And if you don't already know, I'm talking about Prodigy from Mob Deep. Yeah. One of my top 10 favorite MCs of all time. I would I will put out that list. It top 5 is already out, but I will put out a top 10 favorite MCs list. But you we we sit around here and we 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 listen to these guys every day. We said it last last episode. But it touches us in a weird way in a deeper way where we're we feel weird because we don't know if we should be sad about just to be clear like with the listener you're not saying you as in me and you but like everyone exactly so we feel we feel such passion for when we listen to to music and these people pass away these people die and it it, it kind of like puts a hole in our chest or, or in our heart where we're just like we're going to be missing something going 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 on like we're going to miss a certain sound and it's not going to ever come back and it sucks because i wrote, I, i actually i wrote this on instagram when he passed away when prodigy passed away in 2017 he had sickle cell which is a disease that has to do with your white blood cells um and he's he was fighting this throughout his whole life. I had the the honor of meeting Prodigy at a Mob Deep show where I paid $100 a ticket to go backstage and meet him. I'm I hate meeting my favorite artist. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But this was big to me. Yeah. He signed my book, he signed my Hell on Earth tape, he signed my infamous CD, and it was just something big for me that I could carry with me for the rest of my life. And when he passed away, it really fucking hit me hard. And I don't want to take too much time on this, but I wrote on Instagram. This shit is fucked up to me. My last few years in high school was all about listening to Mob Deep and Prodigy's solo work. I followed his career like crazy. I read his book when it came out and I never read books. As you know, I don't mm-hmm. ever read books. Did you read the common one yet? Uh no, I read half of it and I just stopped. I read his book when it came out and I never read books. I counted the days at the end of his prison sentence because I couldn't wait to hear new music. I went to New York to see his first show since yeah. being out of prison at Rock the Bells. It was the first show he was out of prison. Was that the first time you saw Mob Deep? That was the first time I saw Mob Deep. I was front row. I waited 
from 5 a.m. in the morning mm. till the gates open and I was front row. Mm-hmm. I was dead tired at the end of the day, but it was fun. I would always put on his music no matter what mood, mad, violent, stressed, happy, or any type of way. I would always say Prodigy is better than so many rappers, and I still to this day, it's true. I would buy every project he would do. I would buy albums and soundtracks just because he was on it. It could have been five rap songs on that soundtrack. You'd get it. I, I'd get it because Mob Deep was on there or Prodigy was on there. Alone or with Mob Deep, I would wait for when listening to songs just for him and his crazy flow and verses. I used to end off my emails at work writing HNIC before my boss told me that that was not appropriate. I had great times listening to his music and I, I won't stop. So you are, this is a message to Prodigy I wrote at the end. You are top 10 of all time to me. I met you last year and I, it had me shook. Like meeting someone I looked up to. Hip hop means a lot to me and thank you for the great music to help me through shit and making me tough. His music made me tough. When I was angry, I would put on Mob Deep music and it would want me to go out and murder someone or fight someone, but it made me feel good. So this was a big part of my life where I had to dumb it down and be like, I just lost somebody important to me. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it sucks because I won't be listening to any more of his new music. So enough with the sad shit because I think it's two episodes where we just do sadness. Well, yeah. We're not fully done yet. No. Um, we'll move out of hip-hop for a little while, but for the most part, this episode is pretty much hip-hop-based. But just real quick, 2016 was huge, so we spoke a lot about the releases, and we didn't really talk about this, but LCD Sound System got back together for Coachella in 2016. LCD Sound System are one of my favorite bands, and... When they reunited, it was said that they were going to do new music. In 2010, they had announced a hiatus after a massive tour. And I had a gut feeling that this wasn't something they were going to keep up with, that they were going to come back around because they had just come off of what a lot of people were saying was their best album. So it just didn't add up. To me, it was more of a, we're going to take a break, but we're going to say we call it quits to build a hype. So when they said they were getting back together, I wasn't shocked at all. I thought from 2010 to 2016 was a good gap to uh, gather some new ideas and try and... I mean, LCD does the same thing. Like They they very much do their own thing, so they're not going to change up the recipe very much. But when they reunite, they do Coachella. I think that was their first gig back together in 2016. Usually Coachella is the... The reunion, yeah. The reunion place. And uh, it was pretty sad because, as we spoke about at the beginning of the decade, when the festival circuit gets popular, festivals are bringing back bands that are reuniting. We mentioned Pavement. We mentioned, well, Sonic Youth didn't reunite, but they would come to these festivals. Devo got back together for festivals. Jesus and Mary Chain got back together for festivals. When this happened... It didn't work. They had gigs there that, that were like half empty. People weren't showing up, and it just feel it 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 felt like we were seeing, like you said, like hip hop is now taking over. It's in the mainstream. This is what people want everywhere. 
and these bands that would do the festivals or should be the festival bands are no longer bringing people to the festivals necessarily. And I thought for a moment maybe the hiatus wasn't the best thing in this case for this particular band. I mean, times would have changed whether they went on hiatus or not. But it was sad to see this because I came to realize that one of my favorite bands and a trendsetter, and a trendsetter for the type of music that I like is no longer relevant. People move on these days. People don't care. It was different when we speak of the bands like Devo, like Jesus and Mary Jane, who had a fan base, disappeared, came back around. Whereas our generation will just move on. Unfortunately. So, in 2017, they release American Dream. This is why we brought them into this episode. Um, which is a fantastic album. These guys only have four studio albums, and it fits right in with the other three. It's as good as the other three. They're one of the hardest bands to rank in terms of which album's the best for me. Because I was day one with them, so it really depends the day. On this album, James Murphy uh, really talks about his age, how he's an older guy doing this thing, how times have changed since when he started. He goes into his depression. He talks about having worked with Bowie on Black Star, oh, having yeah. lost him. Really? Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of interesting because parts of this album he kind of does talk about like how he created this else this LCD thing and wanting to tear it tear it down after the 2010 album was not something he could live without anymore he had to keep it going for in order to live so this is 7 years uh yeah this is 7 years in between wow. releases and they came out with a project that sounds that good they put out quality stuff they don't miss a beat when they get together and they don't change the recipe lcd I, i remember seeing a lot when we were doing the the um best albums in hip-hop i would say this artist is very much their own thing you can't copy it it's a, it that's what lcd is and like okay there's bands like hot chip that sound very much like it but They're members of, there are members of LCD and Hot Chip. You could talk about a band like Holy Ghost, but same idea, same label, same. So it's very much a thing, like a, a kind of, like if you're, if you're sounding like that, you're not coming from the outside. You're not related to the band in any way or, and people like that. People like what they do. Well, the times I've heard it, it's very cool, upbeat sounding music. It is. It's super pumping. It's super fun. And even the slower songs are really nicely done. They're not songs that necessarily change or have many parts to them. What happens is usually it'll start on an idea and it'll layer up into into exactly what you said, a build-up. It's just a song that keeps building and building and layers get added. And it's a, it's a nice thing and it's really fun to see live. And when they did tour this album... In the same year, 2017... It was either the same year or early 2018, but I want to say same year. Oceaga? No. Good. No, no, no. Well, they did small, they did, they did, uh, they did small, smaller arenas. 
but half half empty. Fuck for real. Yeah, and it 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 was really too bad because maybe when they sell out Madison Square Garden three nights, Jesus. saying that they're Madison called, Square Garden when they went on hiatus. Fuck. It kind of wasn't the time to go on hiatus because people were coming to see your shows. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I think maybe a bit of that is tackled on the album as well and having to rebuild the LCD thing, redo it, and not see it gain or reach the amount of success that it had when it was a well-oiled machine that was going. Um, I think a lot of people did not put this album on their best of the decades. They went with the 2010 album, This Is Happening. What's the cover of this one again? It's just the blue sky with the text. Okay. It's not the one where the guy is sideways. No, that's the one that people are putting on the list. Okay, yeah, because that's what I've been seeing on Rolling Stones. Yeah, and all a lot of people lists. love that album. See, to me, I like that album a lot, but I felt like this one was... It was a bit better. I find the other one has some moments of dullness. But um, I think people are... People moved on from this band when they got back together. Well, I remember when this when this album came out, my cousin Mark was listening to it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's the core fan base that went back and were happy. But I think it's the the fans that are not really... They're like, oh yeah, LCD sound system. I have them on my iPod type fans yeah. didn't go back. The day one people are still around. They didn't go get anything new with it. No, but I'm sure, like, with the sound they make, they could grab the attention of people that don't listen to that. Or with an... I'm going to tell you this. This is how I see it, okay? And I I can sound fucking stupid when I say this. But with a name like that, I find if you see a, a flyer or you're on Pitchfork and you see LCD sound system, you're like, okay, hold on a second. It's a cool name. Let me go see what these guys are all about. Sometimes that's what I do. It's the name that drags me in. Oh, these guys came out an album in 2010. Let me go see what that's about. Oh, they haven't made an album in seven years. There has to be something there. I think it can attract people because when you make quality music like that, you want to keep going, number one. And number two, you want new people to be listening to your music. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of artists, now people, they do different side projects. Like, if you're saying these guys were in Hot Chip, some of the guys were in Hot Chip. Yeah, one of the guys is in Hot Chip. But I'm sure people that listen to Hot Chip listen to LCD Sound System. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's either, oh, I didn't know these guys are from Hot Chip. Yeah, maybe a lot of people wouldn't know that they share a member. So, it's like, they could attract a lot of new people. It's just, it's how, it's how you do it. Yeah. And it's... How you promote. and Because these guys are fucking make good music. But that's what I think is, is a bit of a shock, though, when you think of like being at the peak of a, of a certain type of music and like not calling the shots, but like having... Like Daft Punk is playing at my house was a hit off their first album. Their third album was massive again. They, they had like massive tour for it. They produced for... Well, James Murphy produced for people. And then you disappear and people are sad about it. 
you kind of expect people to line up when you say you're getting back together and they don't. People, I guess, move on. People don't move care. on and, and, and it's a and it's a good way to see that like sometimes like calling it quits is a mistake if you plan on doing this again. Maybe he really didn't plan on doing it again. But it just looked like there was a documentary, there was a three there was a three sold out shows at Madison Square Garden. It kind of looked like we were trying to build hype for when we're ready to do this again. And so maybe it wasn't the time. A lot of artists say that it's their last concert, their last album. Yeah. Their last whatever. Mm-hmm. And end up coming back. Or they just don't make music for like 10 years and then just come out with a new album. But look at the quality of their music. Yeah. They didn't. They don't go in the studio for one day, two days. They... No, it's it's it's. And and what I really love about they have two live albums, but they're live in studio. Albums. That's cool. I like that. The That's London cool. sessions and the other one is the Electric Lady session. So they record a live album in a studio, and even those are fucking gr- like not just they're they're up there. Like if you want to hear like that song you love from the album, but the way you heard it in concert, put on that live album and. Because a lot of artists like this do it. It sounds different live than it does on album. Yeah, but their live studio sessions sound. They're so pumping. They're like, I like if I just want a song or two from them, I'll usually go grab them from those sessions, over the actual album. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, just real quick, I think that's good for LCD. They haven't done anything since. Hopefully they keep going. The big indie album this year in 2017 um, was probably when I said 2015 Sufjan Stevens and 2016 Nick Cave's album being two of the saddest albums of the decade. This one caps them off. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh, a band called Mount Erie and the album's called A Crow Looked At Me. So... um, it's a guy called Phil Elverum from Washington. He's part of a band called The Microphones. This is the album that people are talking about the most in indie this year, pretty much. Uh, he's grieving. He's telling you pretty much like how his his entire grieving after his uh, wife dies of cancer, Geneviève Castries. She was from here, actually. Um, so everything he uh like how he deals with her absence like in his home like expecting her to be there knowing she's not uh raising his daughter without her the whole thing is like very tough to listen to and the first couple of times that i tried to listen to it i had to take it off he's super monotone it i had to take it off because it's it's heavy it's not something you could... Lyrical do. or... Yeah, yeah, And he's very monotone in that he's not even singing. He's kind of just talking you through this process Eesh. of him accepting or trying to accept or trying to come to terms with what happened. And every once in a while, he'll give you like a... Like a like he'll, he'll go into singing melody and then go back into the talking. So... It's extremely sad. It's it, and even as a listener, I wasn't a fan of his music before this. I kind of checked it out because a lot of people were talking about this, and even as somebody not a fan of his 
catalog before this. He's got a lot of stuff either with the microphones or as Mountieri. You immediately hear someone who's broken. This was this is in a lot of the lists that we're seeing at the end of the decade because it's really a guy who put his heart it's on the lists. Yeah, on a lot of the, and in the top 20 range of because I've ne- I've ne- so far maybe I'm not thinking of it straight but this decade at least no one has put their heart on the table like this guy for you. It's it's a very difficult listen. Well, people like fuck people make their I find sometimes make their best piece of art in these states. Exactly, being depressed, uh, heartbroken, sad, whatever the hell you want to call it, people make their best piece of art because that's like you said they put their heart on the table. So on that note, we're going to take a break because I'm depressed as fuck now and I need to cough up a lung. And you guys could too or you could just bulldoze right through it. Yep. We're back. Uh, not depressed anymore. We're going to go off with uh, a huge, 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 huge release. Uh, the way this guy puts out his music to me is, is, is big. And to the point where when you put out music, you're putting out the music and you're hoping it doesn't leak because everything fucking leaks. When you say you're going to come out with an album three, four months before... It's going to leak. Now we're in the streaming era, so it might be a bit different. But it's going to leak. Look at what happened with ASAP Rocky after he said his album was coming out. He was talking about it for like six months. It yeah. leaked. And, and and it's repetitive when artists... That's why I'm sure Kanye West and Jay-Z and all these people fucking take forever with the releases because they do not want it to leak. Maybe the surprise release or the short notice helps it. But in some way, submitting it last minute. A lot of the digital releases, I guess you submit under short notice. Yeah, but the way Kendrick Lamar releases his albums, Good Kid, Mad City was in talks for a, a long time, but he put it out in a way where nothing leaked. He came out with his singles; it didn't leak. It was in store on the, on time. Bang, To Pimp a Butterfly. It was a mistake release on a Monday, and then the album just came out. It wasn't leaked. It was a mistake release. The music never leaked. A couple of singles here and there. Now, for Damn in 2017, he came out with Heart Part 4 about a month early, saying that he was going to come to take the throne, or whatever he said in the song. A couple of weeks after, he releases his first single, Humble, with the music video. A week later, he releases his album cover. That Friday, the album comes out. Which, the way it's calculated is there's no time for me to leak my music. There's no time for you to go and be like, oh, I have the album. The album's good. Here's 600 reviews on it. The way it's calculated is to the point where it comes out. People are waiting for it. You're waiting, you're, you're waiting for this to drop. And I find that with today, 
It's the perfect way to come out with your music, making people want your music, making people wait, but waiting at the perfect time for that music to come out and they're there ready for it when it comes out. And that's what I did for this release. I might have mentioned it um, in episode, uh, can't remember episode 10, when we spoke about it deeper, that I waited till midnight when it came out and it was there at midnight and I listened to it and I was... Again, the way I listen to Kendrick Lamar albums, I don't like them or love them right off the bat. I got to dig deep into it. And this album came out, and I don't know where it's going to be on my top 50, top 100 decade list, but this album is top top with one digits Hmm. for the decade. But it's it has so much to do with the, the the quality of your music and the way you put your projects together and your sound to when you come out with an album and it's your fourth album. And there's so many artists that come out with so much albums and you're like, meh, it's not as good as their previous work. Huh? They, they finally released a shit album. That, that that doesn't happen with this certain artist. At least not yet. At least not yet. I think this is your favorite Kendrick album. Uh, it because, well, number one, the rules we don't talk about things we spoke about, but you really wanted to talk about this album, so I feel like you're not feeling people do it justice. No, I find I find a lot of people, and I'm not talking about you because me and you could go back and forth about albums. Oh no. Why are you saying this about this? Oh, I don't like it as much as you do. Oh, I think you're wrong. That's fine. That's our conversation. Mm-hmm. But I find that people don't do it justice because, the, yes, it's fine to put it up against your previous work. Mm-hmm. But there is also understanding the growth of an artist and how they make their music. Let's take, for instance, Notorious B.I.G. Ready to die. Okay? Hyped. Probably on top three all-time lists as one of the best hip-hop albums ever. But top, then... Top... Maybe not top three, but in the top five. Yes, top but a lot of people put it three, two, or one. But Biggie had that, that sound on Ready to Die. He was known for his storytelling, those beats... It was it was it was what it was, but then he put out Life After Death, and on Life After Death, it's a two disc album. But all his songs are different because he had his club joints on there, he had his street hip hop on there, he had his lyrical storytelling on there. He had songs for everyone. Do you get what I'm, you get what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a song for everybody. It was more of a complete body of work. It was cohesive. So it's the same thing for Dam. Good Kim Mad City was a certain sound. Yeah. The storytelling. Yeah. It was like a movie. To Pippa Butterfly, there was a subject matter. Still like a movie. Still like a movie. As to where Dam is like Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Date, there's a song for everybody. There's the... Yeah, but it still feels like the movie. It's still... Yeah. Yeah. But it's cohesive. It's, It's just... It's like, here's the album. You don't got to 
think your fullest. You don't have to dig as deep as you've done with the other albums, but it's still a full body of work. It's still incredible. It's still, you still got to think, but not to that max level. Do you get what I'm saying? At Whereas too, when you listen to Two Pimp and Butterfly. Yeah, it's more uh, It's like intellectual. Yeah, exactly. Fuck, I love the words you use because I can't use those words. But it's, it's it just, it's, I have something to say it's on Dime. easy. I have something to say on Dime that... But not as easy as y- you think it is. There's more yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, there's still depth to it. It's not, it's, not a, uh, it's not a Marvel movie. It's not culture. No. <laughs> it's... To end it off before you say your comment, it's... There's something for everybody on there, but it yeah. fits all so well. Yeah. And it doesn't drag, and it just goes one after the other. Yeah. One after the other, and it just soaks in great and it's an emotional album and to where i was in my life and what i was going through and no i wasn't depressed but it fits me more yeah you relate to it i relate relate to to it more more, and it's there as the album where i could go back to it 10 years five years 20 years and it it still sounds fresh and perfect yeah what i think about them in terms of people not doing it justice is that as you said good kid was like his compton album uh pimp butterfly was his intellectual album this to me feels like it was the album for everyone mm-hmm. it was the album for people that liked mm-hmm. cole but not kendrick for the people that like drake but not kendrick for the people that like rocky but not kendrick because of the fact that he was so story-based and always a bit more intellectual than the rest. Mm -hmm. And still nobody ate it up. That's why I think people don't do it justice. And you know that like the the Kendrick fans ate it up and and the music heads ate it up. But a lot of people that still just like the mainstream hip hop or the borderline like catchy hip hop, like that would be the J. Cole lane that I'm talking about didn't fully invest in this no and this album was for you he tapped into those sounds yeah and that's where i feel people didn't give this album time of day you know because i've said it it's my least favorite of his Mm -hmm, which is fine uh that's not to say that it's no good or that it's you know but it should not be overlooked the way it is this was an album for a lot of people to get into this was him opening the door for you to discover Kendrick Lamar an easier listen as well exactly yeah and if you needed this to go backwards here it is yeah and he tapped into the sound but he also had the many voices of Kendrick Lamar he had his section 80 his Tupima Butterfly his Good Kid Mad City sound in this but also like, look at all the flows and the different tones of voice he used on this. Yeah. Not one song sounded like the other song. That's it. He's still showing you his variety. With lyrical, his lyrical ability being top tier. Yeah. Top yeah, fucking agree, tier. Yeah. And it, it's crazy. A lot of people don't hear, but there's songs on this where he's, he has a lot of punchlines. Yeah, big time. So, like, he's doing something different, but bringing all those elements, no pun intended, in into the album yep it's very different 
to what his other projects sound like, but has that 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 core Kendrick Lamar in it. Yeah, and that's why I love it. And uh, there's another big TDU release we got to talk about. Yes, because this was an incredible record, and it cannot be overlooked on my part. No, um, this album was in the works since 2014. And it was being delayed and being delayed because she wasn't ready to call it a day on this album. Uh, eventually, the label had to remove her hard drive so she could submit the album. And Top Dog probably did that, right? Possibly. Yeah. But we're talking about Scissor Control. Um, this is another one of those albums. Like these Top Dog artists that do this are very. I know Absol has a good and well, Scooby Q does it too, but they. Um, they let you into their personal space. Mm-hmm. They're real with you. They tell you their story. So a lot of the a lot of her topics on this album are her anxieties, um, like uh, jealousy. the The entire album is covered with her like opening up about low self esteem. It comes out to be like one of the best pop albums that we've had in the last ten years. Easily. You look. I'm. I'm gonna say it. I'm not. I. It doesn't. It doesn't attract me. Yes, I could hear. I can listen to the Beyonces, the Rihannas. But you pushed this on me, and I heard tracks here and there which I liked. I just think if you should, if you're if you're TDE, you're all TDE. Yes. But I went to listen to this. And I fucking enjoyed it. Like, I sat there and I enjoyed it. And I understood why for so long I was you were telling me to listen to this and not skip over it. But I was skipping over it for a fact of... I just... It just I, I'm not attracted to this style of music. It could be playing in the background, I'm gonna like it. But this was well done fucking music. Like, to me... The Rihanna's, the Beyonce's, I pushed that to the side compared to this, to the sound. This was... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Like, to the point where it's just like, are they... are Should they be listening to this project and take notes out of this to make their next project? Should they go to her for something for their projects? Because it sounds so well done and... Not too over overworked. Well, yeah, she's well. It it is it is very clean cut production. I mean, it's TDE. They delivered a product that sounds very much the TDE standard. But it doesn't sound like anything else. I find you know what I mean. Like it doesn't sound like it has elements of Rihanna. Well, the anti Rihanna, I'd say. Yeah, it has elements of Solange in there. But not fully Solange is a little more like weirded out type but of it's still sound. I still find to the point where it doesn't sound like that Beyonce style it doesn't sound like the old Rihanna style it just it doesn't sound like that typical R&B that typical it's not to, yeah I know what you mean like it's not that sound it's the not the beats fully. at some point the beats sound very like there's a lot of this that reminds me of Channel Orange too exactly but look at the instruments they're using and yeah. look at the production value on this. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what song it was. It was, it was more towards the end after the, the song with Kendrick Lamar, which I love, by the way. That's right, uh, that's very, that's right at the beginning. He uses the the song the, the word fas, fa, fascis, facetious. 
that I've never heard in rap before. So big props to that. Uh, but it's a song towards the after that song where the, there was like a hip hop element in the song, like like a like well, the a, whole like, album is pretty hip hop element. But this one stuck out more, and I was just like I was thrown back by it because the way she was flowing on it and singing on it really did something different. And yes, you're right, the hip-hop element in the album. Mm-hmm. And the song with Isaiah Rashad is flawless. Yep. The song with Travis Scott is really good. But even her like her solo stuff without any featurings and her high pitches on this are just super well done. Yeah, you get some Pharrell stuff on this too, production and vocals. Um, I mean... Timberlake seems to have wrote for this. It's it's a really well done body of work. I mean, I hope she could follow up with something as good. I think the song would have had to have been anything, if I'm not mistaken. Anything or Broken Clocks. Broken Clocks is very pop. It's probably, it could be anything. Yeah, it's, it's probably anything. Or Wavy with uh, James... Uh, Fondleroy. Yeah. Which is a great artist. Yeah. But yes, uh, really well done album. Not too long. 14 songs, 49 minutes. It's... Yeah. I really like this album. I you would... you you were big on this when it came out from the jump. Uh... Do you own it? Yeah, you yeah do. I've got it. Yeah. I think, well, I, I did like it a lot when it came out, but I think it grew on me more. It did take a bit of uh, the the uh, critical praise for me to be like maybe I'm maybe I really need to get into this a bit more. And now I see the. Now I I think I I, uh, yeah I'm into it. It's it's better than a lot of shit like a lot of R and B shit. Yeah, for sure. Quality music, and we're gonna jump into. Well, the next thing, the next, the next topic we have is uh, we're gonna go we're gonna go at two albums. From young artists, because now at the beginning of the year we said Migos set the set the bar with culture and that sound but in hip-hop these two guys are guys that have been stepping out of the box for their whole career and maybe one of them already had a great album but these two guys are really important guys that do things uh very much differently than anyone else Mm -hmm. uh we're talking about vince staples big fish theory yeah. Uh, Summertime 06 came out 2015. Yeah. Same year as a bunch of other great hip hop albums. But Summertime 06 was the the introduction, I would say, the proper introduction to Vince Staples. Yeah. That was in our 2010s episode of season one. Yeah. 2000. So it is, we do consider it in the top 100 hip hop albums of all time. Fantastic body of work. Two discs. Plenty of production by No ID. Yep. So we wait. He comes out with Prima Donna last year in 2016. Short EP. Yeah, which Vince Staples loves to do, by the way. Yeah, in between albums, you get an EP here and there. Yeah, sometimes two EPs in the same year. Right. Uh, but he's he likes to do music that doesn't sound like his past work. So Big Fish Theory tapped into a sound where to what he said was a sound that he was listening to while making this album that his parents were listening to in the 70s and the 80s. Gangster party music. I have, I, I, yeah. 
Well, it's very Detroit house-based. Yes. Well. Detroit dance type of sound. But he, he, in an interview, he did mention that this is what gangsters were listening to, the sound, mm-hmm. the house sound you were talking about, where he's from. This was the quote-unquote gangster music, yeah. the quote-unquote party music. So he stemmed so far away from what he was doing yeah. before this and came out with this album. And again, it's these, this artist is making something that you haven't listened to before. And who's he working with on this album? He is working with... So he's working with Kilo Kish, Kendrick Lamar is on it, Ty Dolla Sign's on it, Azar Brocky's on it as the main name, let's say. Yeah. But uh, Juicy J, yeah. Well, that's a sample, really. It does say featuring, though. It does, yeah. I guess, yeah. The fuck call whatever. it what you want. But the production he's getting is from electronic artist Flume, mm-hmm. produces on it. Justin Vernon, who I mentioned regularly, <laughs> is on it, is doing yep. production on it. Um, and interesting enough, he works with Damon Albarn from Gorillas earlier in the year. He's going to be on their albums, Humans. In April 2017, well, they have a song that they worked on for Vince Staples' album in June 2017, which is so cool to see this type of, these types of collaborations with all kinds of people that do everything on this album. But he, the main thing for him is that he's stemming away from that sound. He's stemming away from the, I make this sound and I'm going to stick to it my whole career. Yep. He doesn't want to make the same music. Look at what he did after this project. It's just... He went back to a bit of that Long Beach sound. Yeah, but differently than the production from No ID. True. So Very true. It's like he's working with these producers and these different artists to create a new sound for you to hear that you haven't heard. Or that you're not not comfortable because I, I'll be honest. When I first heard this, it's not. I was kind of uncomfortable because I. Well, I remember. I remember the year. The year of. You you didn't believe that I could like this more than done. Yeah, and I, I did. did. I from the from the get go. This was this year. It was number two behind LCD yeah. for me. And you had damn. I would probably put this higher than LCD right now, but. You had damn and locked in at number one since you heard it, and and you were not having, no, you were not having it. To you, this could not be better than them. But probably still isn't. I get that. No, but it made me kind of uncomfortable to be listening to this album when it came out because I didn't expect that. I didn't expect for him to go left, but in such a right way. Left and right pun there. Yeah, very I like nice, that. Very nice. But. I was just like, fuck, this is weird. This like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm not, am I supposed to be listening to this? Is this really what he's doing? But it sounds so well done. It sounds so great. And I listened to it last week and I was just like, because I, I told you, I asked you a question. I'm like, you know what didn't grow on me? And that's the first album you told me. Yeah, because I knew, because I remember how you felt day one. And it grew fucking... Yeah, it did. 
amazing. Yeah. Like, this is fucking great music. Like, yeah. this is so... This is what an artist is. You know what? When you fucking think of it, you don't want to hear the same bullshit over and over again. This is an artist that doesn't do that. Yeah. For sure. And everybody needs to hear this. Yep. For the decade. And there's another artist that is not the same as Vince Staples, but has grown as an artist from what they were doing. Yeah. That's Tyler, the creator. And the name of the album is? Scum Fuck Flower Boy. So when you hear that, you're like, hmm, is he going back to what he was doing? Is he acting like a fucking idiot again? What is he doing? It's still not my favorite Tyler album, but it's damn near second. Uh, he went Wolf is my favorite Tyler album I'm staying I'm gonna say it there mm-hmm. but he he did he went more melodic on this album more singing more complete songs not more cohesive the, more cohesive yeah. fuck I love that word what about fascist <laughs> fascist is a great word to use for this but huh. he He's doing something different with his music and his quality of music, and he's and he wants to be at some point very different, but it's working for him. And he's gotten out of the "I'm gonna make music like Pharrell." He, and, but he just draws a lot of inspiration from it, rather than yeah. Yes, and he's not. A, he's like, who does he work with on this? He works with Frank Ocean. He does work with Pharrell. He works with Caliuchis, who's a great. Pop, uh, pop artist as well, for the end of the decade. ASAP Rocky's on this. ASAP Rocky's on it. Wayne is on this. Lil Wayne, Wayne is on it. Steve Lacey from the Internet is on it. Who is a great, very very good guitar player. That we discovered this decade. So he's 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 using these artists that don't make your typical hip hop song, and being way more melodic, way more singing on the album. The songs are way more complete as well. You just took me right off topic with that. Sorry about that. But yeah, this is fucking great. I so as you said, this isn't your favorite album of his. It's not mine no. either. And and when I went oh, back yeah? to it, no, it's not. When I went back to it, it started off like it was. Because I find the first four or five tracks really kick you off into this kind of what's going to be an amazing album. And it's a very good album. I still think... Now you know what I'm not going to do yet. I still think Tyler improves another time after this. But he's improving as artist, he continues which is fucking to grow. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find he's more serious too. He's more serious. Well, now he's developed the character, right? Yeah. So he's always going to play along with it, but it's not... Like, he's not Goblin Tyler. No, but... Like Goblin Tyler was a bit obnoxious. It's, it was it was annoying towards the end. But I think the highlights of this album for me are his singing. Yeah. And where he kind of transitions in the songs. Right. From a rapper to a artist. Yeah. Tyler is more of the artist than he is the rapper, though. He's not strictly a rapper. He could rap well. But he, yeah, he wants to make... He, look at who he's working with. Even the the previous projects. Yeah. 
the guy from Grizzly Bear he worked with. Oh, did he? Yeah. yeah. He likes, that's the type of music he listens to. He just doesn't listen to rap did music. Did he really work with them? Yeah, he worked with that guy. It was another one of those indie bands uh, that he works with. The guy with the glasses and the furry hair. Um, I can't remember <laughs> who he is, but he's he. this is what he listens to. Yeah. He doesn't listen to hip-hop. He said it many times before. I don't think he worked with the guy from Grizzly Bear. But who is it? It's the guy that looks like a guy from Grizzly Bear. Describe how he looks. He has... He looks fucking hipster as fuck. He has like those big square glasses and big furry hair, curly. Kind of like if you outgrew your hair. Uh, it's on the album that was fucking loud. Cherry Bomb. Yeah, fucking what a shit album. That was garbage. Let me find out. Yeah, find out. But like, he's working with so many artists that don't make the typical hip hop. And it's fun to see because he just keeps transitioning. And getting more serious, but he's still a fucking kid that loves music. That's the oh, Torwe Moi. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was I right? Was I on point of the way he looks? Yeah. But, <laughs> that was good. But, but was to good. get back to my point, sorry, not Grizzly Bear. Grizzly Bear, by the way, FYI, anybody that's never heard Grizzly Bear, fantastic group. But he is a kid who loves music. He loves music, and he's trying to do that sound of all his influences. He does, he does. And he does it well. Yep. Um, Last topic. Now we're going to move on to a, a legend rather than a newer artist. but um, Towards the end of the decade. It's actually his 50th birthday as we're recording this. So we're yeah. recording this on December 4th. Bun fight. And uh, his music just became available on Spotify. Because he turned 50. So to celebrate his 50th birthday, he wouldn't find a way to make more money. So yeah, you don't have to subscribe to Tidal. So we're talking about Jay-Z's 444. Before we continue, we're not on Tidal, are we? No. No, okay, cool. I just no. wanted to ask. No, we're not. I don't know if they even do podcasting. No, I don't think so. Uh, Jay-Z's 444 is essentially best described as the other side of the story. The part two? Not even part two of Lemonade, but just the other Lemonade. Um, yeah. It's because they the way I find it is that they, they probably got together and said, I'm going to come out with this. Oh, I'm going to come out with this. So it's like a this. You think? It, I don't think it's that. I you, think it's, it's Beyonce saying, I'm going to come out with this. And you're going to come out with this. <laughs> okay, cool. So, 444. The, the way it was released was great, too. Yeah, it was. It was. Calculated again. Yeah. You're not going to fucking leak my album. Right. And um, it comes out and he addresses his side of the scandal. He kind of comes forward, admits his wrongs, puts himself as... Puts himself, puts himself below... And says, like, look, what the hell was I thinking? I have a question. Yeah. Okay. This didn't happen lately, right? This didn't happen in 2016, 15. It happened before. I don't know. I don't know. Because the way it sounds on 444 is he did all this when they first started dating. I don't know. That's that's the way it sounds. I don't think so. You think it happened, like, recent before the albums dropped? I think so. 
Really? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I it's, could be wrong, and it's not like it's not my place to, to decide no, what happened. I don't think people dug deeper, but the way I hear on 444 is after. I think it was recent, though. Really? I thought it was after they started dating, he started just still being the I think Jay-Z. it was between kids. Really? I think. But so I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know enough. I didn't so he think full blown was... cheated on her. I mean, I'm guessing. Okay, that's I, never gonna yeah. come out. What's never gonna come out? Well, if it was recent or not, I don't think so. Well, but anyways, it, it's a cool thing they did. I like it. To make albums out of it, um, fucking sold. I feel like this album musically, and I've said this to you a few times, does a lot for hip hop. Mm-hmm. That a lot of other artists. Well, number one, he's reducing himself to zero to admit his faults. You'll never hear many rappers do that. Well, more and more you are, but because well, of this, though. But well, no, because well, not not, not really. Uh, this really shook up it a helped. lot of people. But these old timers wouldn't do that. No. Like you'll never hear a ghost album or like uh, doing this. No, but I think. They're, because of 444, rappers are maturing. Yeah. There's more conversation. Yeah. And musically, I think that... I've always said that hip-hop being a young genre... Um, at some point in time, rappers that hit 50 like he did today... Or that are going to go into their 60s at some point... If you don't find a way to keep making this type of music... You won't be relevant. Mm. Because you can't be making the Black Album at 50 years old. Nope. It's a very stylistic thing. It's a certain type of music that you make at a certain age. But yeah, you got to find new ways to make that type of stuff. Well, hip-hop, when you look at it, it's very young. It's yeah. for the very young generations. Yeah. So this guy at 47, 48, whatever age he was... He made a very mature album. So he set that fucking bar. For sure. Really, really high. For sure. And in hip-hop, it's fucking hard to do that. It's really fucking hard to do that. In other genres, it might be easier. The indies, the rocks. You find ways to reinvent. You, you, you know what I mean? Maybe not the fucking metal with burning churches all the time, but... <laughs> like, that's, it's fucking... It was hard. I'm sure it was hard. And he set that bar, so I'm, I'm sure... There's the artists that are really, really scared right now in hip-hop at that age or in their 40s, late 40s, to make, to come out with an album and then sound like shit because Jay-Z set that bar so high. Right. Like... I don't think there's many artists that can do it. We saw last year when Tribe got back together, they were always kind of a more mature type of group. So they were able to kind of pick up where they left off. Mm Mm-hmm. But like an artist that comes to mind now thinking of the Tribe album, like Busta Rhymes having been on that album, he's the type of artist that should examine this maybe method and really stop trying to make the club bangers. Go for this. Yeah. Because how long have we been talking about hearing a new album of his? Because he probably fucking just deletes them all all the time because so, he's these artists could be scared. They, you have to understand, Buster Rams is probably around the same age as fifty uh, as Jay Z. Yeah, that he's like fuck. What do I come out with? Me screaming the whole album. But that's it. Is stop trying to get the new fan base. Stop trying to get with the times. 
and try and meet your early your early fan base try and meet with them again yeah but like i would say like i think like the artists like the 50 cents of the world the fat joes of the world these guys are probably that they haven't come out with an album in a long time because they probably scared to come out with an album because at that age coming out an album what do you, like what more can you talk about look at nas yeah. Where the fuck is Nas's 444? It would be good to have a 444 from Nas. And I think he tried to do it this year with that album he came out with, Nas Lost yeah. Tapes 2. Oh, Lost Tapes 2. That sounded very... No, Nas year was last year, yeah. Yeah, it sounded very different, but very, like, not done well. So these guys are, are, are now setting themselves up to be like, Fuck, I gotta put out an album like Jay-Z and there's not a lot of artists that could do that. You know who I see could do it? Who? Mace. A guy like Mace. Yeah, Mace. You could be your Maces. I would I would say an artist that jumps out to me would be Lil Wayne. Yeah. Lil Wayne, he's not at that same age as Jay-Z, but as his career gets gets older, he could, if you give him those soul beats, you give him the same beats that Jay-Z used on 444 with the bars. He'll call, yeah, he'll do it. I'm sure he has shit to talk about. I'm sure he has depressed. He's probably been well, depressed. Well, he's, really he's really good on a lot of the features that he does. Like I'm thinking of Solange's album, A Seat at the Table, that we spoke about for 2016. His feature on it is very good and very much something that would fit in this category of he could do back, mature. Yeah, he could do it and... With the bars and fucking... Yeah, I'm sure he's been depressed a couple of times. I'm sure he's been... He almost died 20 times, so he could talk about a bunch of stuff. Eminem and be would mature. be good. Eminem would be good, too. Oh, really? Stop being right up in our face and just strip it back and give us the bars, like you said. And give us a mature Eminem that has gone through some shit now. Without the fucking R&B cheese yeah, ball yeah, hooks. Yeah. Get rid of the pop stuff and give your early fans something yeah. to look Ten songs, to. I'm, I'm sure it could work. Andre 3000. Yeah, if that ever comes out. But he has a different bar. His bar isn't really set because he doesn't really have a solo album yet. No, but you never know. These guys could be scared to come out with music because they don't know how it's going to grasp. How to approach it at this age. How are they going to approach that, that shit now? When you look at it, this album came out and people were just kept talking about it and talking about it because it was so mature, it was because it was so well done and he attacked so much in it. Again, with the stuff with Beyonce, the black culture. What else did he talk about? Like wealth. his wealth, uh, being a billionaire. Ta- but he also Things he would have done differently? Yeah. Uh, Family? Yeah. Man, he spoke about... His mother? Yeah, his mom being a lesbian for all those years and never spoken about it and he speaks about it on this album so he came forth with all these things him stabbing un because of unbootlegging his albums like that's like what he's saying on this album is serious fucking talk i think it's 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 interesting because i i caught that line when i was re-listening to this album and i'm like it's it's interesting to hear his apology and acknowledging like that shit's fuck like it's fucking crazy yeah you don't do that no no, because he's fucking mature. But look at also him talking to the young people about holding bricks of money to their ears and taking pictures of it. Uh-huh. He's also talking about changing up your style, don't always doing the same thing. He's talking about all that on the songs. Yeah. So like again, man, like, like 
a rain ghost doing something like this, it might not fit. It's not maybe what people want to hear. It's not like there is artists that you don't want to hear that. You keep wanting to hear this stuff, but it's either at some point you stop making the music right. and just go or make sure the music you set you come out with is quality music and make sure it's good. Yeah. And you know who else? I just thought of in my fucking brain that would make a really, really good album like this. Who? Very mature. Cameron. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So, so yeah, 444. So, so after listening to it again after these years, what do you I think? I like it. Yeah? I like it. And if I had to say it today, it's... Let me just do the math real quick. It might be taught. I'll say top five Jay-Z's. Look, I'm not going to put it in my top five because it's been growing me as much as it did for you. I'll go back again. But it's top six, top seven. I think it's important when doing the Jay-Z Yeah, some shit tops. albums. He does, yeah. But I feel, I feel it's important in doing the Jay-Z tops that you pinpoint which ones were game changers in his career. And yeah. this is one of them. I think if I would have had American Gangster in my top five before this album came out, this one pushes it out. Pushing, push out some American, American Gang- Gangster, yeah. And the other four would be Volume 2, Reasonable Doubt, uh, Reasonable Doubt, Volume 2, Blueprint, Black Album, 444. Those are the five it's crazy. highlights it's of his career. Crazy. And there's more. I mean, uh, I love Volume 1 a lot. Uh, volume three, you you were you love that album. Um, I'm probably missing other ones. No, I think that's it. After that, yeah. But uh, Rock La Familia was great too. Rock La Familia was very enjoyable, but I wouldn't put it as a highlight in his career. No, but he was pushing his artists, which was he was which, that that again, was the real purpose of that album, right? Again, the guy didn't take all the fucking limelight and just fucking did an album with pushing his artists. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we do our top fives. Yeah, I think that's good for 2017. Yeah, top fives of the year. I guess I'm going first, right? So we can't put Migos culture. No. Can't put Tyler. We can't put Vince Staples, Jay-Z, Kenny, and SZA, and LCD Sound System. So my and top... And Theory, I can't talk about. Yeah, you can't talk and about Jay-Z. that. And uh, Jay-Z. So, yeah, top five. I'm going to go first with... Sai Hi to Prince, No Dope on Sundays. Great, great album. Came out later on in the year. Sai Hi came out with a lot of mixtapes before this. A lot of mixtapes. So having his first debut album, by the way, sound to good music. This was incredible. This was an incredible body of work for that year. I put that number three on my list that I posted on Instagram. Going back to this album after so long and re-listening to the soulfulness, the lyrical fucking ability that he does on this album is just it's just it's it's great. It's fucking the the beats are incredible. The his lyricism is incredible. It's a really great album. He's at that level with bars as I would say some of the greats because of how he puts his music together. Uh, number two, Mozzie, One Up Top Aki. i never spoken to you about this album. Yeah, you did. I did? Yeah. But this album is fucking good. Uh, gangster Rap. Uh, he's actually from Sacramento. 
I've this is probably the first artist I've listened to from Sacramento. Really great. Uh, he's a blood, obviously. So he's a lot of the the way he puts his lyrics together, he changes his C's to B's and all that shit. Whatever, it's fun and games. But I think there's a lot more to this artist because he could he could he could paint a picture for you really well. Uh, the beats that were chosen on this album were great too. Uh, Two chains, pretty girls like trap music. So finally, after all the mixtapes, after all the albums, Two Chains finally puts out a complete body of work that is great. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think this is his best album. Yeah. This day. He he did he he did he did something really well. He used the great the great features. He kind of went with the times, but he kind of started that with his previous albums. I don't understand why the track list on the on the on the digital and on the CD is so confusing. What do you mean? The songs missing, but they like they're only on the digital or not on the digital version, but on the CD or vice versa. Really. Yeah, there's something up with the track listing, I remember. But again, great album. Yeah, it is very good. It's a very good album. Yeah. Uh, number four, I am going to go with Rock Marciano, Rosebud's Revenge. Underground hip-hop, fucking the beats being really, really good soulful music. Uh, the sound is just crazy, and it's there's no hype to it. There's no big beats. There's no... It's just fucking straight lyrics. Uh, and the last one is going to be Conway, Goat, Grammiest of All Time. Prodigy passed away that year. Fucking a seed from Prodigy. Just fucking what you want to hear. That old school mob deep sound. Just fucking great hip hop. My five for this year, I'm going out of alphabetical order this year. Okay. I'm going to give you Lord Melodrama, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably a top five of 2017. Oh, that's the fuck. Yeah, yeah, okay. And we didn't talk about it in this episode because I don't know much backstory to this album, and I don't think we could have had a good back and forth about it. But I do want to highlight that this is an album that Gabu put me on, who was our guest in on episode nine for our 2000s hip-hop albums. He absolutely loved this album, pushed it on me. I put it to the side for a long time, and before end of 2017, I finally gave into it and was blown away by it. Uh, it's a very easy album that plays in my home regularly, so I got to know it pretty well. And in terms of pop for 2010s, it's way up there. You weren't a fan of her previous stuff, right? No. Okay. And I, did, I didn't go back after hearing this. I don't think I would. I think this one really raised the bar for her. Um, second, I've got The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. They came out with another album? This is their second album. Uh, their third album of this decade, maybe even their fourth of this decade. But Jesus. It's their second great album, along with Lost in the Dream. It's more of the same. But if there's any two rock albums that I don't know which one I like more than the other, it's these two. War on Drugs, Lost in the Dream, or War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. They're very, very similar albums. I don't know which I love more. They're both great. The next three I'm going to do, and the reason I put them lower is because they're artists to look out for in this upcoming decade. I'm going to start with King Cruel, Archie Marshall from London. 
is a um I want to say he draws inspiration from jazz, from trip hop, from punk. His music is very dark sounding. It's very awkward sounding, but it's experimental, really nice. And if you listen to a full body of work of his, you'll get an idea of what he's about. Um, If I have any quick comparisons to make, I mean, there's elements that remind me of Massive Attack. There's elements that remind me of... I don't know, go hear it. It's really weird and it's it's quite original. Uh, I got Moses Sumney, Aromanticism. Moses Sumney was uh, an artist that was opening for acts like uh, Dirty Projector, St. Vincent, local natives in the indie world. Uh, he signed to Jag Jaguar, so he's like very much with those artists if you know the Jack Jaguar artists but uh, this album was his debut look out for him in the 2020s this guy's also like very neo soul sounding there's a bit of folk inspired stuff great artist I think uh, I think we've we've not heard his best work yet but this was a great album and last but not least, another top five album for me this year was Sanfa Process. Oh, fuck you, put me on that. Sanfa was on Drake's Too Much. He was on uh, Beyonce's... I believe it was the same track that Drake was on, but he's on the self-titled album by Beyonce, and he was on St. Pablo, the last track that got added to Life of Pablo. Process uh, is his only studio album out and hopefully nothing's been announced like for upcoming work but he's worked with guys like Subtract as well uh, he worked with Solange on uh, Seat at the Table process is incredible man like something that really holds up that I could listen to any day of the week and I listen to this album a lot if you want to go to track No One Knows Me Like the Piano is the big song uh, Timmy's Prayer is great. Plastic 100 Degrees. Did it come out on CD? Yeah. Yeah, I had a normal release. Did you buy it? Of course. I think I'm going to buy it. For real? Yeah, because I liked it when you made me listen to it. Yeah, it's a really good album. A very, 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 very good album. Okay, I'm going to go buy it. You want to go right away? We call it a day? Yeah. What time does it close? We gotta go. We gotta go now if you want it. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye.